0: Today, I am worthy to receive and possess the keys to your kingdom. I am blessed. I am healthy. I am bold. I declare favor, blessing, and peace over my life. You, Lord, direct my steps in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. amen. Come on. All right. You guys can be seated. We're still in our Vision Builders Month, and if you didn't know, we had a Vision Builders dinner, a big party. We've been doing lots of stuff, and that's just about sewing into the house so we continue to take ground for the kingdom. And it's such a big deal, you know. I was talking to a guy, you know, just recently because uh, a year or so back, you know, I lived in Rancho Santa Fe, and he said, uh, "Man, if you come pray for me, he's you know dying in the hospital." He said, "If you come pray for me." And God heals me, I'll give the church a million dollars. I'm like, of course. Well, I'd come pray for anyways, but if you're gonna do that, I'll show up right now. (laughs) And uh, so I prayed for him, and anyways, you know, wasn't expected to live, but he was released uh, two days later, totally healed. Yep. But then, like three months later, I saw him at a coffee shop, Mostra, and I said, Hey, bro, you said you, where's that million (laughs) dollars? What do you mean? Yeah, when I came to the hospital and prayed for you, you said, if God heals me, I'm gonna write a check for a million dollars to the church. He goes, I said that? Well, that just shows you how sick I really was. (laughs) It's a joke, people. Never let facts get in the way of a good story. My pastor taught me that. Oh, you guys are funny. Some of you don't know whether you should laugh or not. You should laugh. I was thinking to myself, I look back to all the Mother's Days that I was a part of, and man, we went out every Mother's Day, and uh, it was funny, this weekend, or yesterday, I was looking at, you know, I was trying to think of Father's Day, I definitely know what we do every Mother's Day, and when I grew up, it's like, we went to the same place for a brunch every Sunday for like 30 years, I'm thinking about, did my mom ever get tired of that? And it was such a nightmare. Kids running everywhere. I'm like, this is horrible. I don't know how she liked it, but she loved it. And it's all this family tradition. When it comes to dads, the only thing I can think of, I have a different, like, mug. A coffee mug. Or a beer mug. Or a Stein mug. I mean, I just got a plethora of all these different things one day. If I have a garage show, it's going to be dad everything. (laughs) I'm thinking to myself, I don't know if I have a dad's tradition yet. So I'm going to be thinking of one. Some of you maybe can't relate, but that's okay. But I was thinking about uh, some of the thoughts around Father's Day. A couple of them, really, if you didn't know that, there's actually a verb attached, attached to the word father. And when I looked it up, it's in fact, the word father in the verb form means the founder, to be the foundation, or to author. So pretty much you fathers are the authors of your home. How epic is that? Am I the only one? I'm preaching better than you're responding. Amber, you're not giving me one lap. Thank you. Thank you. Babe, talk to your friend, Amber. But I was thinking about the other thing that dads are famous of are dad jokes. And, you know, and I worked with Dr. Leo for seven years, the worst dad jokes. For seven years. and I, I always used to think. Man, you got to be careful. I don't want to laugh wrong. I'm in the middle of a serious adjustment. He's telling dad jokes on the table next to me. You're trying not to laugh. You're like, that was so wrong. Yeah. And I know people are doing, you know how some people do the polite laugh? So over the seven years, I took notes, and I just want to share, you know, a couple with you over the years. Is that cool? Yeah, yeah, some dad jokes. Why did the man fall down the well? Because he didn't see that well. Yeah. What would the pirate say on his 80th birthday? I made Oh, someone has glued my pack of cards together. I just don't know how to deal with it. Yeah, I stood behind a customer at the ATM. He turned around, and he said, hey, can you check my balance? So I pushed him and his balance was horrible. Uh, what did the daddy buffalo say to his son when he left for work? Bye son. My wife loved this one. She just got it like three minutes ago. Uh, Two guys walked into a bar, the third guy ducked. She's asking me in the green room, can you tell me that one again? Two guys walked into a bar, the third guy ducked. Yeah, some of you just got it, it's okay. Oh, uh, what's another really bad one? Uh, how do you make Lady Gaga cry? Poker face. I love this pen, it can write underwater. I can write other words with it, but underwater is my favorite word. (laughs) (laughs) Some of you just got that. Yeah. Uh, I think my favorite is this one. Why does Snoop Dogg carry an umbrella? Faux drizzle. We got to laugh more, I'm telling you. Some of these, some of your laughs are a little dusty. <sighs> if you're a Presbyterian, you're really upset with me right now. <laughs> oh, man. Anyways, well, listen, what I really want to preach about is just I recently, uh, you know, going through the yearly Bible every year, you know, you're going to hit the... Same stories every year, what do you know? But growing up, I had just this image of King David. It's one of the most epic stories. Everyone, they say the only other thing besides, were my jokes that bad, Dr. Leo? I'm sorry. Sorry, no, I'm sorry. I offended your son, didn't I? Oh my gosh. We'll pray for you after service, man. His jokes are funny, I'm just joking. Anyway, so King David was, uh, you know, just this legend. They say the only story that is more known in children's books is literally Adam and Eve. And they say the most known story after that is David and Goliath. So I grew up where David was just this hero. Then he became king. Who wouldn't want to become king? You're just thinking all these great things. So it wasn't until you start going through your yearly Bible, that you're like, oh, you know, you're kind of in a little denial. Like, oh, David, uh, he had a couple issues. And then this year, for whatever reason, it was the most issues I've ever seen. So now I'm reading the one year, I'm like, oh, man, David had real dad problems. He had a lot of wives, a lot lot of kids. Lord, what can I learn from this? You know, I'm always reading the Father's Day things like, oh, he was a warrior. He was slaying giants. And uh, one of my guys on the text thread was having probably the same revelation That I was, you know, not only did he raise up giants, or he was taking down giants. He was raising up other giant slayers as well. I'm thinking to myself, that's that's a pretty good influencer. You can not only take down giants because you're fearless. You're raising up other friends that are fearless and taking down giants. So this whole story of taking giants, taking giants. I mean, it sounds pretty good. And then you start reading the whole story of some of his sons that were a mess on legs. So I want to kind of share in that um, lane today just about what a father can look like. See, I, I fly uh, planes, and now I'm getting my instrument rating right now. How I many know that's a little stressful? Yeah, yeah, so it's not only stressful. You're taking ground school. You're lear- learning all these crazy things. Pretty much not, you know, how not to kill yourself, and um, what I like to study, and not that I'm sick about it, but I like to study what mistakes other pilots made that didn't survive, Because, I I mean, I want to learn all the basics, which I'm learning. But I like reading the most is what mistakes happen. Why why did these men and women make mistakes that cost them their life? That's what I want to know. Just like when I'm in business, I want to get around some people that I look up to that they can teach me what mistakes they made and we're open to have conversations so I don't make those same mistakes. Same thing in marriage. I want mentors that I can look up to that are still married, that they've made mistakes, recovered, still standing strong. So whether it's in marriage or being an incredible dad or trying to be a pilot, I want to learn from the mistakes of others so I don't have to trip on my face and fall. Hence, I don't like breaking bones. never broke one. I just hear from other people that have, that's just something I don't want to do. So I try not to participate in breaking any bones. So for those that have gone before me, thank you. Um, (laughs) But I read some of this thing, the the father absence crisis in America is at its all time high. Like I said, 18.3 million kids and one out of four don't have a father, stepfather parent or an influence of a father figure in their life. And this is what they're saying. Poverty, you're four times greater risk of poverty. You're seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen. As a teen, uh, Behavioral problems, you're more likely to have behavioral problems before even going into junior high. Child abuse, more likely to face abuse and neglect. Um, two times greater risk of infant mortality. More likely abuse drugs and alcohol by 52%. Wow. Mm-hmm. Incarceration, more likely to go to prison. Two times more likely to suffer obesity. Crime, more likely 67% more likely to commit a crime. And two times more likely to drop out of high school. So it's amazing that these stats are right in front of us. And when I think about knowing that today alone we'll have 400 kids just at this campus alone wow. that get to have... Uh, just role models right up in here and how important that is. Through all our campuses, that's over 2,000 kids that we actually can influence and change the outcome of their life. You know, so, you know, today just looking a little insight into King David because he was an epic king, but not really a good father. But the reason why, you know, and you're up here, you're like, fear the Lord and you're treading softly. One day I know I'll be standing before the Lord and David's going to be right next to him. <laughs> Probably with the sling. What were you saying about me down there? So I want to let you know that I'm reverently talking about this. Like I was nervous going, no, nah, I am preaching on this. And then I really did feel the Holy Spirit said, yeah, you are. I've given you my blessing. So, uh, you know, that's what we're talking about. Because if you think about David's great successes as a warrior, as an You know, he built an entire empire. We can go talk about all the things, but relationally, he was pretty messed up. And so I want to take, what can we take out of this story that I'm about to read you and really apply to our life so we don't walk down those same steps? You know, I know a lot of you whether you don't have children yet or not, it's still important that we pick these things up now because we all want to be in relationships and we want to be a relationally incredible human being. And I think if we really take some stuff out of here, we can be if we apply it to our life. And so get this, in uh, 1 Samuel thirteen fourteen in the New Kings James Version, the Bible calls David a man after God's own heart. Not just once, but twice. How many times can you really find where God was saying that about anybody else in the Bible. What I find interesting is Jesus in the Bible is talked about over 1,250 times, as he should. It's written for him. But what's what's insane is David was talked about over 1,100 times in the Bible, both in the New Testament and the Old Testament. See, Moses was, you know, up in the 600s, Abraham was in the 700s. Everybody else was in the hundreds or less. You know, King Solomon, the wealthiest person of all time, was mentioned like 142 times. But it's amazing how much David was talked about. And I I don't want to judge him, but I do want to give you a little story about it. Because in 1 Samuel 17, just as a teenager, we all know the story, he was taking down Goliath. Here he was. He rolls up to Saul's army. Just think about all the Navy SEALs, the Green Berets, all the bad boys of that time. The Israeli army was going against the Philistines, but it took a teenage boy to step up, going, I know my God. I know what I'm about to do. And he took down a giant. But you think about it at 15, you start slaying some giants. Maybe get a little chip on your shoulder. But What's more interesting, when David was a teenager, he was anointed as the next king of Israel. It was then that he faced Goliath, but then listen to this. So 15 teenager, you're not only told you're going to be king one day, how do you handle that as a teenager? Like you're the man at 15. You're thinking, yep, I am the man. And then you take down a giant in front of the whole army. I mean, you think you're getting a little cocky at this point? But then think about it because he has no one really mentoring, but here's what happens next. He was banished by Saul. He hid in the desert. He lived on the run, forced out of a nation, fought many battles on his own. It was kind of like the Robin Hood of his time. And it was nearly 15 years from the time he was anointed and told till he became king. So in those 15 years, if he didn't have the right influences in his life to correct him and direct him, then guess what? you might have some relational challenges in your life. But here he was, a man after God's own heart that God sped specifically, and a prophet prophesied that over him. So it's just, you, you can't judge it, but you gotta take notes on it. Like, man, what can we do different? And that's what I wanna share with you today. What I do love about David, he raised up over 33 mighty men. He had one of the greatest armies of all time, this is where he raised up giant slayers, slayers. in 2 Samuel 21, For these four were descended from the giants in Gath, and they fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. Even his servants were giant slayers. Awesome. I bring this up too because as I was reading this, you know, and having that revelation around it, and then a friend, you know, confirmed this word because he was having this similar revelation around it. I'm reminded that I've been in the marketplace for a long time. So, I, you know, I'm always wanting to go to seminars. I want to be the best version of myself that I can be in the business world. You know, we always talk about kings and priests, but I'm talking about, man, here, here this King David was, he was really focused and you look at his prayer life, he was really praying for himself all the time and he was praying that he was a great king and everything had to do around that kingship, not around that fathership. Yeah. And I have found myself in seasons, you know, before I was married, man, I wanted to slay it in the marketplace. I wanted to take down giants. I was reading lion chasers. I'm starting masterminds. I'm doing crazy stuff. Show me another lion. You know, it's like, you know, I want lions around me. I want all my friends. I'm still like that. But the revelation was, I want to learn because here he was surrounded himself by mighty men, yet still making mistakes when he had everything he could to prevent them from making mistakes, especially relationship mistakes, especially, get it, eight wives, 19 kids. Just want to paint that picture for you. I can barely handle one wife (laughs) in this life. I don't know how he did eight. Well, obviously he didn't. And 19 kids. And so what I want to share with you is kind of what went down that and what can we learn from it to learn in our own life practically, because the one thing I see as men, talking to my boys right now, is we can get so caught up in business and want to slay business and all that stuff. We focus on this and we don't focus on how do we become a good husband? How do we be an amazing dad? And then we start beating ourselves over all these things. And I know all these people that generate all this wealth, sacrificing their health, Personally, their health of their family, the health of their parenting, yet they're around kings slaying it in the marketplace. And so I want us to find the balance in this story that we can raise up. Because if you think about it, man, our kids, that's our legacy. Title of my message is Legacy Levers. You know, the Bible talked about David, he definitely left a legacy. We know that. And what I love about God, here's one of God's favorites that he anointed when he was a teenager. And it's amazing. We talk about love covers and all that stuff, but the Bible doesn't hold back on David's life. And it's amazing. Every year I can read it. This is the greatest year that I had the revelation going, dude, that guy's life was a mess. Where in years past, I always wanted to be like King David. But the more that you get spiritual maturity, the more that I become mature, the more that I read into it going, whoa, there's some areas that God didn't hold back. Matter of fact, writing about it in details. There's historians that are writing on David's life that go into far greater detail because this isn't just a made-up story about a guy that took down a giant. Right. This isn't bedtime stories that are made up. This is real. You go back in, uh, in, in history, they have accounts of King David, of who he was books written on him, deep studies on him, and when you look into it, you're like, man, this this Bible hero, he had some other stuff that as a man, I can apply to my life right now that can make a difference while I'm here today, that can make my legacy with my kids a whole lot different if I have the ears to hear and the heart to receive it, so this is the goal today, but you know, we talk about all his boys. I want to pick out one of them right here, Um, and we're talking about David, but his son, that he failed uh, to be that father figure role to was Absalom. And you can go read this story, but it's an example. It's an excellent example of how not to be a parent. And uh, that's what I want to focus on, that we can not get caught up and do it. I don't want to beat ourselves up, but there's some really good wisdom in this. So I want to tell you, so if you look at, um, this was the third-born son of David, And he was strikingly handsome. The Bible says this, 2 Samuel 14, 25 through 26 tells us, in all of Israel, there was not a man so highly praised for his handsome appearance as Absalom. From the top of his head to the sole of his foot, there was no blemish in him. Kind of like Mike Finn. He stayed the second service just to be a model. Whenever he cut the hair of his head, he would cut his hair from time to time when it became too heavy for him. He would weigh it, And the weight was the same as 200 shekels by the royal standard. This is the Bible. I mean, your hair is amazing, but I mean, is it worth 200 shekels? I mean, not that I'm judging you. It's amazing. But this was his third son, and, you know, he had 19 of these kids. But I particularly want to share with you around Absalom. He was not only strikingly handsome, he had a beautiful sister named Tamar. In fact, she was so beautiful that her half-brother, Amnon, fell into lust over her and conspired to get her alone and then raped her, her own stepbrother. What goes on to say, when David found out about the wickedness, he became very angry, but he did nothing. Wow. I want you to remember that. But when Absalom found out about his sister's rape, he was so angry, he intended to do something about it. First, he took care of her, moved her into the house, took care of her the rest of his life, and uh, he went on to kill Amnon. So you get two brothers, he ended up killing him, And then he fled Israel for three years, fled Jerusalem for three years. But what was interesting, as he remained in exile for three years and all the time he was gone, scripture tells us that David longed to have his son back. In 2 Samuel 13, 39, it says, the spirit of the king longed to go to Absalom, longed for his son to come back. But his son caused so much division, not only in the family. His other son was killed, caused all this chaos. David did nothing about it. And even some of his mighty warriors were like, all right, what are you going to do about it? And so David did whatever he could to get the message out, like, son, I forgive you. I want you to come home. But when Absalom came home, not only did he, you know, want to take David out, he ran him out of his own kingdom. This son had so much hatred in his heart, so much anger towards his dad that was undealt with, he then ran his dad out of Jerusalem. And could you imagine, this was the same king, the same mighty warrior as a teenager that was taking down giants. He had a kid cocky enough that was willing to confront him because his dad wouldn't do anything about it, challenge his dad, run his dad out of his own kingdom. And then his dad was broken and confused and loved his son, wanted to do the right thing. But now he's at war against his son and his son's army's taking out some of his mighty men. And finally, one of the mighty men, the head chief of uh, commander-in-chief of his army, said enough, enough. And Absalom was fleeing, got his hair, sorry about the hair thing, but his hair got stuck in a tree. And if you guys read the story, he threw three spears, he killed them. Because he was about to ruin the entire empire. I mean, talk about politics. There's some family politics here that weren't healthy. And this is all laid out in the Bible. This is good. And this is is better than Oprah, people. (laughs) You got to get in here and read this stuff. This is Bible, not PG. We're talking, it's just laying everything out so we can understand. But you're thinking about this. And then David is so upset at his commander of the armies that he rebukes him. It changed their relationship. And he goes, your son was about to destroy your legacy, destroy your kingdom, ruin thousands of families' lives due to an inner turmoil battle because you wouldn't handle your stuff. Wow. Yeah. And now you're mad at me because I took the problem out. Wow. I love so now you have someone that's been a friend, been leading David's army for years, decades. Now Conflict. At that level. So I tell you all that's because I want to give you guys some solutions because I think it's important to understand this. So even though he failed as a, a dad, he left a biblical legacy and he was mentioned so many times. And I think it's so we understand that even though he was failing and it almost led to the destruction of an entire family, there's some things that we can take out of it because God's love for David depended on God's character, not David's character. What I want you to understand is when David repented in Psalm 51, he understood one thing, that I trust God's character, and I could keep going back to him because he's a good, good father. He's a way maker. We're singing a song, but what's that mean in reality is what I want to say. In Psalm 51, he says this, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. See, David knows he was chosen by God because of God's abundant, undeserved love. Therefore, he knows he will only be forgiven and sustained by the same means. I know too many dads that have made mistakes and they've taken themselves out. They're judging their character. But we got to look at God's character and how much he loves us. That's why David was able to be redeemed. That's why he's talked about all throughout the Bible. He kept going back knowing God's love for him, that he was not going to beat himself up to the point that he couldn't still remain king and lead effectively. Sure, we're all going to slip up. We're all going to mess up. But what happens is what you focus on expands. Don't focus on your mistakes. What I love about David's heart is all throughout the Psalms, he repented. He would lament and repent. He would talk about his frustrations. He could be angry with God, but he would always repent and let God work on his heart because he knew the character of his God was a good, good father. So even though David had his mess, he kept going back to God saying, God, and what, what the, the point I want to, you to pick up today is don't take yourself out because the enemy's yelling at you. Don't take yourself up and beat yourself up from past transgressions. Just get right with the Lord, repent, and let God show you how to heal. It's his character. He loves you. He created you. We're made in his likeness and image, and we want to know that, listen, he's up there cheering us on. He's like, you got this. Don't take yourself out. Okay. One of the amens. No, it's all right. I'm going to get him more. Here it goes. Listen to this. In Psalm 17, 8, it says, keep me as the apple of your eye. David was dependent on God's character, not on his own. How many of us have said those prayers lately? You know, it's like we want to be people after God's own heart. Obedience is commanded by God, but obedience is not the foundations for God's favor and love. God is love. God has favor towards you, whether you're obedient or not. Now, obedience is what unlocks the kingdom. That's what keeps our heart right. But the enemy works overtime to take us out. Listen, number two is this. Keep God at the top. Not just in business. Not just in marriage. But I'm talking for this specific Father's Day, especially for our parenting. You know, what we can learn from David's fathering and improve upon is just a couple things. The first thing is, that's what's missing from this story is that David never acknowledged his send to his son. The second thing that's missing, and David he looked the other way when his son sinned. Wow. And the third thing missing was that David failed to ask for guidance when he needed help the most. It's amazing if you go read all the Psalms, and I didn't when I was doing this study, and I was God was giving me this revelation. I'm like, no, I've read the Psalms before. Of course he repented. Sure he did. About mistakes with his own personal sin, but he never once in the Psalms asked for God to give him guidance for his sons, for his marriages for any of that and yet here is a man after God's own heart it's amazing the filters we can start to believe or sometimes when we don't have the right friendships or accountability in our life and I'm telling you if we're going to learn one thing from today listen in Proverbs well the Bible says all over you must not look the other way when your children sin Proverbs 13 24 says he who spares the and hates his son but he who loves him is careful to discipline him Proverbs 19, 18 tells us, discipline your son, for in that there is hope. Do not be willing party to his death. In Ephesians 6, 4, it says, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. What walks in us runs in our kids. And what's amazing is, this is the book of wisdom, Proverbs, trying to lay it down for us. And the revelation that I was having is, listen, that little sin that David tried to keep hush up, when he slept with Bathsheba, he had an affair. Solomon came from that affair. Everyone in the kingdom knew about it. They were all talking about it. Could you imagine all the other kids growing up with that? But yet, nowhere can I find from all the history books that I studied on David, nowhere in the Bible does it say, David never talked about that mistake to his kids he never owned up to that mistakes we live in a world that you know we try to bury stuff the devil tries to shame us tries to lock us in our mistakes but I'm telling you we can't pull the wool over our kids eyes my kid said something the other day and I was thinking to myself oh lord where did he get that it was definitely his mom we broke it down (laughs) no is that true right I'm just not saying that Maybe it's Father's Day, sure. Okay, thanks for that. Yeah. But I was thinking to myself, where do, I'm firing her at the nanny right now? Huh. He definitely had to learn that at Awaken Academy. No, it was something because our kids are watching us. Right, right. We got to own what we need to own because David just ignored some major sins going on in his kids' lives that affected. That legacy. Nowhere in the story do we read that David was praying for guidance. Nowhere in David's Psalms does he refer to crying out to God for help. Why wouldn't he ask for God? He was asking God for advice on everything else. But on one of the most important things, if we're gonna be legacy leavers, talking about passing on wealth to generation, to generation, to generation, how much more do we need God's insight, God's help? I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm going to do whatever it takes. You know, it's amazing. I was asking and seeking on this. There is such a thing called compartmentalization. It's a big deal in the psychology world. They talk about when men are under stress, they start to compartmentalize their life. And it's funny because I go, okay, are there some areas of my life that I've been compartmentalizing? They say the number two things that puts our lives in these compartments where it means God's over here, and our family is over here, is mostly around money and marriage. We start to compartmentalize our life to protect ourselves. So it's funny, I was looking back through some of my journals going, you know what, I wanna be, I'm gonna go back, I journal a lot. All the stuff that I was praying for, and I hate to say it, but this is my revelation over the last three weeks, prepping for Father's Day. I was looking at all my stuff, I've been praying for business, I've been praying for taking territory. Man, I wanted to be this leader. I wanted to be taking ground. I want to be kingdom territory. I want to be, you know, have my Spartan helmet. Everything that I was journaling and seeking wisdom and guidance, everything had to do with, God, open the right doors for me. Give me the right relationships so I can crush it in the marketplace. God, do these things in business. Not one of them had to do with, make me a better dad until I was reading this story going, you're going to end up like David unless you get your priorities straight. I mean, that's a little bit humbling right there, but I'm thinking, no, 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 that's not going to be me. God's like, no, you're compartmentalizing your life. You're talking to me about everything here, but not over here. Now, due to marriage retreat and all these other things, of course, I'm praying, I want to be a better husband. I got to work on this stuff and got uproot this. But the revelation of the last three weeks is, no, no, no. I've never sought after God to help me be the dad that I was created to be because that's the legacy that matters. That's the legacy. It's not what is Matt Hubbard going to do. It's what are my three kids going to do with their life? When I'm walking my little girl... Down the aisle, I got to be looking at now, where are my dads out here, and where are their boys that think they're going to date my freaking girl in a couple years, and we're going to have awkward conversations. Some of you, I'm just asking for forgiveness now. But we're, we're hey, listen, I know she, I'm not in denial. She's going to start dating when she's 20. But I don't want to get so focused on being a kingdom, builder, being a warrior, going to all these things that I lose sight of. I'm a daddy. And I need God to show me how to be a good daddy. He's a good, good father to me. But how am I going to be a good, good father to my little three kids that God's entrusted me to if I don't look at what David did and realize he was a mighty king? He was an amazing warrior. And you know What? He missed the mark on being a good father. I don't want to be relationally broken. Yeah, yeah. But if I don't keep myself beat up with some mistakes that I made, and I put God at the top of my pyramid, that it's my filter for everything, not just business, not just marriage, but my daddyhood, guess what? All these things. Seek first the kingdom seek first the kingdom and all these things shall be added unto you I love that God keeps it all in here because here he is saying this was a kid after my own heart and he messed up but I still love him that God loves you no matter how many times you've messed up no matter what you've already done to this point but it's about what's our next move what are we going to do from here on out money can't replace being a father Involved fatherhood is just this stout I wanted you guys to hear that just came out, I think, about 10 days ago. Involved fatherhood is linked to better outcomes on nearly every measure of child well being, from cognitive development and educational achievement to self esteem and pro social behavior. Children who grow up involved fathers are 39% more likely to earn mostly A's in school. less likely to repeat a grade, 90% less likely to be suspended or expelled from school, twice as likely to go to college, 75% less likely to have a teen birth, and 80% less likely to spend time in jail. It's amazing that it's not that we leave God deliberately out of family, but due to stress, we start to compartmentalize. See, I called my dad on the way to church today. And being the son of a Marine, it's never that easy. But I told him, I said, Dad, I, I thank you for disciplining me the way you did. Even though I kind of went off the rails and did some stuff. And I said, but Dad, it's interesting. I'm thinking about all the things, and I don't want to make inner vows. And some of the inner vows God said is, you know, you made some inner vows saying you were never going to yell at your kids. But why don't you go learn from your dad why? Why? So I got to ask my dad, I said, Dad, why, why do you think you yelled so much? And it was funny, he goes, you know what? Ah, gets me choked up saying. We never know what our dads go through. My dad just said, you know what? My dad was a yeller. That's all I knew. I hated myself every time I yelled at you boys. And he goes, then I beat myself up and get so frustrated. And your mom would be mad at me. I just didn't know how to stop it. I really think I just had PTSD from Vietnam. And he goes, I loved you boys. I know he did. He wanted to do everything for us. But it was amazing I could grow up and be like, I never want to be like my dad. And God's like, you better change your heart, boy. Because the very things you say, what you focus on expands, you'll become it. It's self-fulfilling prophecy. So I'm telling you, like, I never asked my dad that question. But now that I'm older, I had to ask him. I don't want to judge it. I just want to be the best version of myself. I want to learn from my dad's mistakes. And I can't learn unless I ask him, dad, what tripped you up? So he started sharing with me what tripped him up. And in that learning of what tripped him up, I now see differently and I can be a different father. You know why I have business coaches? Because I can ask them, what tripped you up in business? How did you lose that restaurant? How did you lose that thing? How do I not do that? And then I apply that. It's the same thing. And then if we don't know the answer, let's bring it to the king. Let's bring it to our Father. Let's bring it to the house of God where we can line it up with Scripture to find out what we need to do to become a better father. Listen, all all fathers, if you could just stand up. I want to pray a declaration over you right now. Not only that, just an impartation. Because I'm going to tell you, there's a world that's messed up right now. And if we don't take on, not, not that we're putting on that, that thing, but if we don't take on that responsibility, we just have to say we're going to own oh, It's self-leadership. How are we going to lead our family if we're unwilling to talk about it? What I love about men's prayer, 530 every Tuesday, 250 dudes, is that there's guys that are coming in they don't know. They don't even know where to start, but at least they're showing up. At least they're showing up and God starts to move and starts to heal some maybe areas that we started compartmentalize. Some areas that maybe we started to get numb. Some areas that we're not sure if we could talk to our wife about, but we don't know who to talk to about it. And then God starts to restore it. He'll start to bring it back to life. He'll start to heal your heart. He'll start to show you how we can react different. And as I pray, listen, if there is a strained relationship in your life with either maybe your father or with one of your kids i'm going to pray for a supernatural encounter that god will get in the middle of it and start to redeem restore and heal every part of it because how many know he's a good good father and he will we got to fight for it though if we're going to change san diego which will influence a state As California goes, so goes the rest of the country. You gotta understand that you're not here by accident. You're not just showing up to church, checking the box. There needs to be an impartation that we stand together as men and we fight to be better dads, that we don't have to have all the answers, that we don't have to have it all pretend like we have it figured out, but we're not gonna use pride or ego get in the way because maybe since we were a kid, we thought we all had it all together. Let's come before the Lord Let's humble ourselves and let God reveal the things that we can do, and you're going to see our kids change this country one kid at a time because the dad's standing in this room. So let's open up our hands. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for the dads that are standing. They got it. I know that you've anointed these men to change our culture and the climate that we're living in right now. God, I thank you right now for impartation. That God, that every area that maybe as men we've compartmentalized different areas of our life to protect ourselves in defense physiology, God, that Lord, you break down those walls right now. That God, we begin to see differently our role as a dad, our role as a husband, our role as a father, God, I thank you right now supernaturally. God, you highlight the areas that we can work on right now. God, I thank you right now that you're healing men that have just had calluses built up to protect themselves. But God, you're going to bring our heart. You're going to get rid of that scar tissue. We're going to feel again. We're going to trust again. We're going to lean in again. Lord, we want to do our best to seek after you. I thank you for King David and his life as an example in so many amazing ways. But I thank, you, I thank you that you left even in the parts that he wasn't the man in every area, that he dropped the ball, that the things that we can learn in that story, that God, that you love us, that we're not gonna judge ourselves, we're not gonna condemn ourselves. Lord, that you have forgiven us so we can forgive ourselves because we're not above you. So God, as I thank you as we stand today under your anointing you will reveal areas that we can be better fathers, that we can speak to our kids like you want to speak to us, that we can elevate them, let them know that we love them, that we're not above telling them that we love them, that we're there for them. And I pray for any relationship that's strained right now between father and son, father and daughter that they are healed in the name of Jesus. They will be redeemed, they will be restored, that God, you will soften hearts, that you will make a way where there doesn't seem like a way, that you'll show up in the middle of their storm and heal that relationship. God, we just thank you for the blessing of this house. God, that we wanna be different than what the world says. We wanna be the examples that fathers can be to leave a legacy that you've called us to leave, that we can pass on many amazing things that you've showed us as fathers. So we thank you for that today. And every man said, amen. Hey, while we're here with every head, if I could just have you guys all just bow your heads and close your eyes. I wanna just ask a simple question. But if you've never given your life to Christ, man, that's the only thing that matters. Jesus died on a cross for our sins was raised from the dead three days later, sits on the right hand of God, sits on the throne in heaven and fights for us every single day. If you've never given your life to Christ, I just want to give you that opportunity. I want to make sure we do it in every service. It's a simple thing. It's just saying, you know what? I've done life my way, but I need to trust God. We are made in his image and his likeness. He's not here to judge you. He's just here to love on you. He didn't send his son to start another religion. He sent his son so that we may have life and life to the full. It's not about raising your hand, but that's the only way I know who I'm praying for. If that's you today, and you're saying, you know what, I wanna give my heart to Jesus. I know it's the right time, I need to do it now. We never know what tomorrow is gonna to bring. If that's you today, just raise up your hand so I can pray for you. I know in the first service, man, I have the devil yelling in my ear not to do this. And then we fought. A bunch of people gave their life to Christ. And if that's you, it's just a simple slip up your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you down. I just want to know who I'm praying for. And if you're already a believer and you have Jesus in your heart, this is the time you should be praying your face off to get people across the line because there is an enemy that wants to kill, steal, and destroy and make sure people don't give their life to Christ, knowing that eternity is on the line and they're going to work overtime. But is there anybody this morning I'm praying for? just going to wait just another second. On this Father's Day 2021, come on. I see your hand up there. Thank you. Man, it just takes piercing that veil. I'm telling you, as soon as you feel that someone lift up their hand, you can just hear heaven celebrate, and then it gets easier. Is there anybody else this morning? I love it. It's always a fight. Come on, I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. So important that we never, we never rush this part of the service right down here. Come on. Thank you. Come on. Good. Let's all stand to our feet. Let's say this prayer together. I think it's so important. The confession, the confession prayer. Listen, I can't tell you how many times, you know that I thought, man, my life's so messed up. I don't need to do it. I just said this prayer again, like rededicating my life to the Lord when I was a kid. And I felt all this stuff just break off my life. Never be be ashamed to run to the altar. You know why we call it the altar? This is where your life is altered. If you raise your hand, you're one of the few people that raise your hand. This is Joe down here. I'm going to pray a prayer real quick for all of us. But come down and grab a Bible and get a book called Following Jesus. We want to look after you. But for all of us, I want us to all say this together. I'm telling you, it's a hard decision, not a hand decision. So let's say this prayer, Are you with me? Yeah. Come on, Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son, sending your son to die on the cross God. for my sin. Today, I repent, I give you my heart and I ask you to show me the way. God, make me a better parent. God, I want to apply your book, the book of wisdom, the Bible, to my life. I thank you that the rest of my life can be the best of my life. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.